Hello and welcome to Into the Foliage, hosted by me, Ryan Dalton. And me, Janet Garner. The series all about the green side of nature. Where we chat to the professionals about plants, trees, fungi, grasses. And everything in between. This episode of Into the Foliage is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. I'm sure, like me, you lot adore nature and enjoy staring at it. And if that's the case, I could not recommend Leica Sport Optics enough. This is the time of year that birds are starting to come back to England and other nature is starting to wake up as well. And this year I could not be happier that I'm spending it using my Leica Ultravid HD binoculars. I'm new to the world of binoculars and wasn't sure how best to use them, but with Leica's easy to use models and high-end technology, it didn't take me long before I was seeing wildlife like I've never seen it before. And now, on with the show. Hi Jan, how are you? Hello, yeah I'm good, thank you. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I can see your house plant behind you. That's made me very oh, happy. Oh, <laughs> the one, the one house plant. The one that Ryan made you buy. Yeah, that you forced me to buy. <laughs> um, how have you been? This is the first time we've spoken since Crimbo. Did you have a good one? Yeah, good. Well, as good as it could be, really, considering wasn't allowed to see many people. Well, any <laughs> anyone really, but um, yeah, it was it was good. Watched um, the grandson open his presents through the window, so that was nice. Oh, that would have, oh, through no. the window. Oh, I know. God, that's depressing. So that's that's now his birthday, his first birthday, and Christmas. We've had to watch him through the window. So. Oh, but, mate. mate. Well, <clears throat> well, you know what? Many more years, Jan. Many yeah. more years to come. <laughs> And touch wood, we're all okay, so... Exactly. exactly. That's the main thing. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm excited to do another Into the Foliage. It's been a while. What's been your gardening, or due to the fact we're currently in winter, what's been your plant highlight of 2021 so far? It's not a plant highlight. I think you know what I'm going to say, actually. It is, isn't it? Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, we've got the allotment. We've She's got the so allotment. About it. I know, I'm stop just... banging on about this. Stop <laughs> So excited. You've got to tell the listeners the voice note you sent me the other day. Oh, about the manure that was being delivered. It's just so good. It's like another little <laughs> Manure is not the word you use, Jan. Well, I know, I know, but I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> it was, um, we've got this allotment, Carly, my friend, yeah. and me, we're doing it between us. So it's quite good because she's all plans and building stuff out of pallets. Well, she's not actually built anything yet, but... We've got loads of pallet. And I'm sort of thinking about the plants. So we're mm. going to do vegetables and we're going to do flowers. And it's not actually in, in a bad way, but they, they have lorry loads of horse manure that just come and they dump it there. And you're allowed to take it. And we were so excited. We were st- But it stunk. We were standing there watching. <laughs> <laughs> we were standing there watching this lorry come and going, is it going to look good? Is it going to... Because the stuff that's already there is a little bit yellow, like it's not rotted yet. So we were hoping oh, okay. this would be a bit more, but it's just a You wanted higher world. quality. We did. Let's call a spade a spade. You wanted higher quality. Yeah, we did, yeah. But the good thing is you're allowed to take 15 barrel loads of it and you have to put a fiver in Vince's greenhouse. So it's brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Don't know, don't know Vince. Vince. Don't know yet, but I know I've not met Vince, but I do know which one his greenhouse is because it's been pointed out to me by Roy. Roy. <laughs> Who's Roy? Roy's the chairman of the allotment associate this or whatever. This is a sitcom waiting to it's happen. Just a, it could be. Actually, it could, couldn't it? 
Oh, you want to pitch this to BBC? I oh, know. Vince just and about... Roy and Jan and Carly on the allotment. But, but this, this is, is all beautiful. true. And we're doing, I just want to get this in, we're doing No Dig. No Dig? Yeah, No What's Dig. We, well, it's. I think his name is Charles Dowding, and I saw it oh. on Gardener's World, obviously, and it was really short, but there's <laughs> loads of videos, and you don't dig your plot. You just you plant oh, you, build up. It, you build up and you don't weed unless you've got perennial weeds. You plant into what's there and it's good for the soil. It makes the soil healthier. And also the big benefit is you don't have to dig it. Mm. Yeah, so it's like you know, that. and yeah, so Roy did laugh a little bit when we told him, but we're we're sticking <laughs> with it. So we've got all cardboard down at the moment, cardboard with compost on top. So nice. Well, I'm so happy that you've both got it. Um, you're it's gonna, been, you're love it. It's been a nervy couple of weeks for you, and now you've got the allotment. That's good news. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not jealous in the slightest. You're going to love it when you come down there. We're doing an on-location on there, definitely, 100%. I want to meet Vince. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I want to meet him myself. I want to interview oh. him in, in his greenhouse. Oh, no. So what's your plant highlight then? Right, my plant highlight, I've just, do you know what? This is a bit of a weird one, but I'm going to pick it is that I've been doing a few early morning walks in Saw winter, that. end of autumn and winter. So I've been getting up at like half six and getting to like Hampstead Heath for about seven. And recently I did one last Sunday and it was very frosty. It was about minus two. It was really frosty. So I don't know if this is a plant highlight, but the kind of dead plants looked incredibly gothic and beautiful in the frost. And I got some really nice photos of them. So I would say in the last seven days, that's been my highlight. Just going to see plants and greenery in winter which a bit, a bit the reset mode of nature i guess yeah it's just going to see them and seeing them in that kind of we're dormant at the moment but we're ready to come back i don't know there's something about it that just reminds you they, they'll be back don't worry it was just something very beautiful about it it's an exciting time of year for a plant person because you know mm. it's all it's all happening under there isn't it it is i enjoyed that I, that, that was really nice it was quite a poetic answer yeah. And quite a short one, but that, that's my answer. Um, I'm excited about today's show, Jan, are you? I really am, really am. For the listeners, um, just let you know, this show is kind of going to be about, I don't like using this word, but it's, we're going to call it about weeds. <laughs> and we're going to go into a lot about weeds and kind of flip in some views that may people may have about weeds or even the word weed itself. So I'm going to bring in my, uh, our guest. Now, in an email conversation... Our guest said, "You, the one question you haven't asked is how to pronounce my surname. So as soon as I read that question, I was like, well, that's a test. And Ryan is very bad at names, as many people might know. So now I'm going to try and pronounce it um, and get it horrifically wrong and see how our guest feels about this. So <laughs> this is going to go. Okay, so our guest joining us today is horticulturist, urban botanist and urban ecologist, Sophie Legale. Not too bad. <laughs> May I ask how you pronounce your lovely of last course, name? Of course, it's um, Le Guil. It's French. Le Guil, I was close. You were close, you were close absolutely. <laughs> oh, nice. It's always hard with French names because they always go that one way or the other. For me, no matter how I pick to pronounce a French word, it's always the other yeah, way. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussy. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Sophie, it's uh, lovely to have you on the show and I'm really, really looking forward to chatting to you today. To get our listeners up to speed with what's going on, could you start by telling us who you are and simply what is it you do? Of course. Um, so my name is Sophie. I'm not going to say my surname again. As you said, I'm, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I've, you know, I've had an interest in about nature and particularly plants for a very long time. So I went into studying biology and ecology and I'll do all sorts of activities. I work as you know, an ecological surveyor. I work part-time as a tour guide as well. So I, you know, in the normal year, I would be leading nature tours um, in Europe and and elsewhere. I'll do some nature translation, uh, you know, between French and English. Uh, So I've got all sort of, you know, different activities. Uh, But my main activity is obviously being being a botanist and advising people about plants and um, particularly in, in cities because I live in London, obviously. Nice. So, um, so yeah, I've got all sorts of things, <laughs> and I mean, in in a year like you know that the, the one we've had, I think um, it's been quite challenging, but it's also been interesting. And you know, with with mm. lo- with the lockdown, I think you know we we've we've seen headlines, people saying, oh, people have been looking at nature a lot more, people have been noticing nature a lot more, and you know, I've certainly felt that in in my activities. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, that is def- that's definitely true. I think gardening and not- people have found that for their well-being, it's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah, and also you know not being able to travel, so I think people have had to you know notice what was around them a lot more, do things with their own garden as well. You know, which sometimes they they kind of neglected. You know, it's been very interesting receiving emails and and talking to people. Because some have clearly, you know, changed their, their way of, of doing things. Sophie, when did your interest in and how did your interest in nature and plants begin? Well, you, you'd I have to ask my parents about that because I don't remember. <laughs> Literally, you know, I remember, I think one of my first memories was actually rearing a caterpillar. So it's not a plant, but it's obviously linked to plants. You know, ecosystems are about everything. Oh. And uh, my, my father found a caterpillar in... Um, I think it was in my grandfather's garden and he brought it and I put it in the shoebox, you know, cardboard shoebox, giving it lettuce and vegetable peel and stuff like that. And <laughs> when when it came out, it was like the most beautiful. It was a swallowtail. So it was like the most beautiful, mm. you know, butterfly ever. And I think that, that that kind of really sparked my interest, you know, in in nature. So I started doing horrible things like taking apart flies and insects, um, you know, starting to sow lots of seeds. I was, um, I had a bit of a, of a pumpkin collection. So I basically decided to take over my parents' garden with a collection of pumpkin and all sorts of, you know, plants of that sort. So they kind of took over. I, I did all sort of, you know, experiments with, with plants and animals as well, but particularly plants. I was really interested, you know, in them. In, in the plant side of things. So um, that's what made me, you know, go into studying them, uh, which which isn't a particularly, you know, common career choice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, so you, you just let pumpkins loose in your parents' yeah, garden? Yeah, I had a collection of different varieties because I really, and I still, you know, like that kind of collecting aspect, having lots of different the variety, the diversity that you can have in a single plant. You've got blue one, large yeah. one, small one, uh, enormous ones as well, <laughs> yeah. which my father yeah. can lift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm now picturing your dad as one of the strongest <laughs> men in the world because he's like, well, Sophie planted too many pumpkins and someone had to move them. <laughs> 
That's so funny. Um, well, that's really cool. What an interesting way to get into it. I like the way it started with a caterpillar. That's a storybook beginning. Um, today, we're going to be, like I said at the beginning, we're going to be focusing on weeds for want of a better word. I'm aware that word is, I'm going to use the word problematic because I don't think many people like the, the word weed or what it stands for or what it represents. Um, but to my first question for you, I guess, with that, Sophie, is when people use the word weed, what are they actually referring to? It's a very good question. And, you know, some people say we shouldn't be using it. I think ideally we shouldn't be using it, but we use it. You know, it's it's used by lots of people in all, all sorts of contexts. So I think it's it's actually good to use it to try and deconstruct it. And, you know, say to people, why is this plant a weed? Why do you call it a weed? And, you know, when mm. I started looking into, into weeds, obviously, I realized that, you know, why people call weeds is, is also diff- of different reasons, you know. Might, you might call a plant a weed because it's growing in your garden and it's taking over your lettuces and, and it's a really pesky plant and, you know, and you have to remove it all the time. Um, or you might call it weed because you think it looks horrible or you think it, it's not at the right place. So I think one of the most common definition is the plant growing at the wrong place and or at the place, you know, that each person feels is not correct. And I think that's really good because you think about nettles, for example, you know, some people use them in their garden to make soup, to make whatever. But someone else will, will say, oh, this is the worst, you know, worst weed. And when I started looking a little bit into the like the history of, you know, plants and, and weeds, we realized that a plant that is called a weed in Europe might not be a weed in, in Japan, for example. So, you know, it's, it's like the whole social and cultural aspect behind weed is really interesting. Yeah, I really like that. Like, it's, it's you could almost say like one man's weed is another. Yeah, another man's. <laughs> another you know, man's forget me. Yeah, <laughs> it could be another man's. You know, vegetable or, or. And it's really funny because I don't know if you've noticed. You know, but with the the foraging trend, for example, you get chefs, uh, posh restaurants. I went I went to a posh restaurant for my birthday in December, and you know, on some of the the dishes there were things like chickweed. You know, which most people would say this is a horrible weed that grows around my flowers and I have to remove it all the time. But then it's a highly valuable plant in a in a posh dish. I think it's I find it really fascinating, you know, the way we look at those plants mm. and kind of automatically say, you know, this is a weed. Why? You know, and, and is it really? Mm. Could we find some users for them as well? Can, can I ask ask you that? Do you think this is not on the list of questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think <laughs> do you think that attitudes of gardeners is changing towards what we call weeds? That, it, that people are more tolerant of them now than they were. I think there's, to be honest, I think there's a bit of both in the modern society. I mean, I've I've worked in, and I still work in, in horticulture as well as kind of more the conservation mm. ecology side of things. I can see two approaches. There's obviously a lot more interest about, you know, biodiversity. I mean, there's never been that many books about wildlife gardening and gardening for bees, gardening for bumblebees, gardening for whatever. So there's yeah, a lot yeah. of that. <laughs> and, you know, TV programs, you, you name it. But on the other hand, there's also another trend which I'm seeing in London, which I find really worrying. And it's like, you know, the low maintenance, people just putting fake grass and plastic hedging. There was a bit of that on Twitter recently about, you know, plastic hedging and stuff like that. Yeah, I saw that today. And and also paving, you know, I've seen in the street, I used to live in in a terrace street in in southeast London. And within, you know, a couple of years, most of the gardens, the front gardens got paved. That was recently. So you can't say, you know, oh, it was the 1970s. People were, you know, didn't care about nature. So I, th- I can mm. I can see like the two, you know, the two 
side of it. And one is obviously good that people are getting conscious of the problem and trying to, you know, act and put a little pun in your garden. It's, it's really good. But on the other hand, I don't know what we can do about the others. Those who like, I don't want any maintenance. I don't want to mow the lawn. I don't want anything to do. So I'm, I'm kind of seeing both. Hopefully one is not going to take over the other. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Why are they important? Why is it important for us to leave these plants where they are, the ones that we call weeds? Well, I think that somehow they're here for a reason. Whether they're native or not native, um, I don't I don't necessarily you know, want to bring that into the conversation, but I think sometimes we focus too much about the native side of things. For example, you know, the plant behind me mm. is not technically a native in the UK. It was brought here about maybe 200, some of those plants, especially in cities, they were brought 200, 300 years ago. But those plants have a real use for insects, for example. You know, if you look on them, you'll find little critters and bugs. And and, um, and so those plants have, have a real use, but we don't necessarily see it. And I think that's one of the one of the problem with um, you know why I love gardening. People say, but why is that chickweed useful? And they don't necessarily see that actually pigeons and and the birds in the area need that to feed on. You know, I've I've converted my the lawn in in my garden. It used to be like horrible turf, and I I stripped it and I sowed a few seeds and I've been you know leaving things to grow. And it's it's like it's like a bird a, a giant bird feeder. They constantly nipping all mm-hmm. the all the chickweed in, in that grass. So I think you know many many tiny plants, innocent weeds, have actually got a real use, and we just don't notice it. Um, I think one of the one of the issues is obviously we we think about plants as having pretty flowers, or we'll we'll plant flowers for bees and pollinators. But actually, people don't notice that plants are, about 90% of the time, they're not in flower and they're about as useful to insects because <laughs> yeah. you've got caterpillars, birds, tiny ants and other things that, that feed on them. So, you know, if I wanted to say something, it, it would be think about the plant as being useful during its whole cycle and not only when it has pretty flowers on it on them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's even more so for city environments with plants like what what we're highlighting as weeds being useful? Because if we look at more countryside areas where there's more forests and meadows and stuff, but when we've got cities where there's a lot of concrete, do you think these plants actually serve a greater importance? Well, I, I kind of started, you know, as part of my project, I kind of started looking into it and looking into the science. And there is very little, but the little there is actually points out to plants being really useful. So for example, there was a German study and they showed that actually there are more bumblebees in cities than there are in the countryside. Oh, wow. And that actually, um, you know, because of pesticides in the countryside, actually the cities could be used as a reservoir. So, you know, when when there aren't enough kind of bumblebees in the countryside, they, they go from the city to the countryside. It's really interesting. We always think about cities being like grey deserts and concrete deserts. But actually, if we made them a little bit more friendly, then maybe there would just be natural habitats with a bit of a twist somehow. <laughs> and it's it's really yeah. it's, it's really interesting to see when you know when you look at some of the cities that have been abandoned. We say nature comes back. Well, no, it was always there, but it was just controlled by us. Mm. It's like mm. it was always around us. Um, you know, if you leave a place without interaction, then it will eventually go back to plants, small plants, and then larger plants, and then trees. That's um that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I find yeah. it fascinating, you know, <laughs> thinking about cities in that way because people 
don't necessarily do that. They think about cities as being places that men have built and then you put a bit of greenery in between. But actually, no, there's wind, there's birds and plants move around. I think rather than trying to change a city, like mm-hmm. again, if we're focusing on just somewhere like like London that is insanely huge, like you're not going to change the city. But if we can just use what strengths yeah. for nature, I guess, London has, for example, yeah. it holds a lot of heat. So therefore, we could probably get a lot of different types of flower to bloom in London because of that kind of heat and the reflection of the sunlight and stuff like this. And it's really good for insects in winter, for example. You know, there are more insects surviving or being active all year round in in cities than there are in the countryside. So it's potentially good. And also, you know, I've, I've kind of been looking at why are those plants useful, you know, they're annoying, you know, we think they're annoying, we think they look unsightly. And I'm like, yeah, but they have a real use. So there's obviously the insect, but there are actually others. And I was looking into it, like the fact that some of those plants, plantain, horrible weed, most people will say, you know, it grows in the lawn, so it makes your lawn not perfect, not British perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get blasted for saying that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, tra- a tradition somehow, you know, the British perfect lawn without, without a dandelion mm-hmm. in it. But those plants, I was, you know, quoting plantain, is actually one of the best plants to absorb heavy metals. So potentially, you know, if a few more of those plants were allowed to grow in parks or along streets, mm-hmm. then it could be actually helping with air pollution, which I think is, is a really interesting, you know, way of seeing plants. You don't think about them as, as you know, absorbing metals for example but that, they actually do when you say absorb metals like from the air around us yeah and so for example uh, you know if you if you have a busy street mm. busy road and you have the car exhaust and actually most of the plants do i did a bit of a project for one of the london boroughs where i looked at air pollution and whether there was a way of planting you know that was ornamental planting so not not natural plants or white plants ways to plant uh, in the streets trees that would absorb particular metals so and it's um, there, there are actually lots of plants that absorb or capture those metals so they're no longer in the air and and you're no longer breathing wow. them That's so i think you know this is potentially a really interesting way of looking at plants that we don't think about we think about you know um we know that trees are are good for air pollution, mm. uh, but we don't necessarily think about you know smaller plants as as helping with that as well. And mosses, you know, mosses that grow on walls, they have the same uh, roles as well. But um, that's amazing. You know, nobody knows how much they can contrib- contribute and whether we could you know use them a bit more. So yeah, I'm I'm just really interested, you know, in in kind of I don't know broadening people's mind about plants. <laughs> Jan, are you going to let plantain grow in your garden? Oh, well, I, if it does, I'll just cover it up with cardboard and plant on top. So that we're not, we're not pulling any out. I've got weeds out there. That's good. Mm. That's very good. No dig is, is, is yeah. very good, you know, in terms of soil. I think that they're, they're starting to use it a lot more in the countryside as well for agriculture. So um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. said to you, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention a Netflix film, but I said to you about watching that Kiss the Ground. I don't know if you mm. got around to it. I haven't watched it, was, it yet, but it's It was list. really good. I mean, it's a bit... American, yeah. but I, I'm not that that's a bad thing, but it was just, <laughs> it was really good. It it was more about farming, really, but mm. very interesting about how you sort of kill the soil by just tilling it and rotivating. Mm. And if you don't do mm. that, you get much better yields and better for the environment, global warming. It was just amazing, really good. 
really good. But I noticed you saying about you working for a London borough. I don't know if it was Hackney. They're not cutting down the weeds at the side of the road. It might have been Hackney, but they're leaving mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, they launched um, they launched a project. It was one particular councillor, and I've been working with with them actually oh. as well. Um, and they they launched a a, um, a project. So initially, it was just like you know a couple of streets where they stopped spraying. Yeah. So they said, you know, we're not no longer going to be spraying the roads. So so you end up with things, you know, yeah. like like in my background. Mm. Um, which which is you know more green in the streets and you know initially I was uh, when I when I saw that I thought this is such a good idea and I went there a few times and I had a chat with some of the people involved and I also met some people in the streets you know living in that street uh, while walking there and I said to them you know how are you living it because a lot of the time actually councils cut all the plants because people complain yeah. about it yeah. I mean with the lockdown I did a few tweets about that. And, you know, there, there were people actually complaining to their local authorities because the lawn was six centimetre tall, which was unacceptable, you know. Um, and there were loads of emails and things in local newspapers, you know, my lawn is long, this is a disaster, you know, it hasn't been cut. And I find it, you know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating because, you know, on one hand, there's more awareness, but on the other hand, people are so, still so tight about, you know, nature being untidy yeah. nature being dirty yeah. my lawn is six centimeter tall it's gonna attract rats <laughs> no it's not <laughs> what no, so, no, no, no it's no, not no, literally I, you know literally there are bears you know, this is in my garden thing. because of the grass <laughs> yeah and you know people having all sorts of ideas about how nature is going to take over their garden if the neighbor doesn't cut their lawn you know people have had conflicts with with their neighbors because of that you know because they decided to leave the lawn to to grow a little longer and i think there's a lot of tension actually mm. between you know the people who want nature to have a bit more space and those who want to keep it as as it is so it was very interesting you know talking to those people in hackney one of the local residents said you know i've been noticing a lot more butterflies in the area um and then some of us were saying you know it's it's nice because we can see the flowers growing get out of my street and i can see like the seasons you know moving because the flowers are changing mm. and i found that really really nice you know this is exactly the sort of connection people are kind of have kind of lost with nature so I think that the Hackney thing has been really successful and I, I think they've doubled the area from next year. So there's going to be more weed in the street. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Jan, should we, before, we move, on. before we move on to the next bit, I really, because there's something we've just spoken about here and because I saw this tweet today of the plastic hedgerow that's been put in oh, around yeah. property development and I, I, look, people that listen to this show and Into the Wild will be against that kind of thing. We know that. So we're preaching to the choir, I guess, if we say it to the show. But we've got... I want... I'm just... I don't know. I see artificial grass and I see yeah. plastic hedgerows. I'm like, what do you need to be told to know that's about... Like, who does? whose idea is that? So, Jan, what should we say to these people? We'll get it as a clip and we'll tweet it. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. You see, I live in a village in... It's almost the country and people still have plastic grass in this area, you know, in their front gardens. But I don't like it. But don't have grass. Should we just tell them to... You know, don't have grass at all. Just... If you're going to... It looks horrible. Just... If you're not going to... I can understand... This is going to be a long tweet if you leave me to do it. Um, (laughs) Don't... I don't enjoy cutting the grass, really. And if it was up to me, I wouldn't have grass. I love plants but I wouldn't have the grass. I'd rather have like a courtyard sort of area. 
with mm. lots of plants and no grass. But don't have the grass. Just don't have plastic. Why has it got to be yeah, plastic? Yeah, why? It's just horrible. Can you imagine oh, a child? Know. I always imagine kids falling over on that as well. You'd... Really? There's a, there's actually, I mean, it's funny you should say that because in France, you know, with more heat, especially in the south of France, people have been, you know, using it more and more because their loans tend to get yellow, you know, with the drought in, yeah. in summer. And actually there's been some cases of uh, burns. So the problem is plastic grass, when it gets hot, oh, um, can yeah. burn. And so people, you know, and kids playing football and, and ball yeah. games and things like that have actually got burned in, and, and ended in hospital. So they're actually advising, you know, if you live in a hot area now in the south of France, don't use it if you have kids sliding on it because it can it can actually cause, you know, um, uh, huge problems. So, yeah. It, it looks naff, doesn't it? It really does yeah, look... That's, that's yeah. what I mean. It looks that's so That's the sh- thing. It just looks naff and, oh, horrible. You know, no class. All right, we'll see if we can start. go in with your next question. Go on. Oh, yeah. So what was my next? So you're a botanist and a horticulturalist. So what would be your top tips for UK gardeners? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, well, obviously, it depends, you know, where you live. Mm-hmm. If you live in a, in a city or if you have a balcony or if you have a large garden and estate, I don't know if, if any of your listeners do. <laughs> oh, I'd say probably but, do, yeah. <laughs> That'd be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you know, my point was whether you have a tiny windowsill or a large garden, I think it's about just about being more relaxed about, mm. about you know, your gardening practices. And actually, you, you, you might potentially you learn, learn things. Um, I'm, I mean, you know, in, in the horticultural advice I give, sometimes I see people, people feeling really tight. I think there's a lot of competition as well, you know, coming from... France, where gardening isn't so much of a, you know, it's not a natural kind of passion as much as as it is in in the UK. And I think there's a lot of competition in the UK. You know, people have got this pressure of making their garden look Mm. perfect um, or, you know, garden or or their window boxes or, or whatever. And and even sometimes in indoor gardening, you know, people having houseplants and getting all worried because they're not feeling they're doing their best. And actually, sometimes I just have to say to people, it's fine, you're, you're doing a great job. You know, your plant is losing a leaf. It's not a problem. You know, enjoy discovering nature and trying to understand how it works. So I think, yeah, that would be my you know main advice. If you have a tiny garden, leave a corner, you know, a node so you get a few, you know, white plants growing. If you have a, a tiny windowsill, then try to grow a few different things. And don't be afraid, you know, if something dies, this is this is part of life. Mm. You know, it's nature is... is um, if you're a gardener, you're just a little piece, a little pawn in in a, a grander scheme of things. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. No, I really like, you know, that kind of a ecological approach where a gardener is just there to help plants grow and something dies where it was, you know, maybe not adapted to the place. So try something else. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I like that I outlook do. of it all. Yeah. yeah. Relax, relax. We have a, a few deaths in our... Yeah. We, we try, don't we, Jan? But we have a few. I'm a bit... Anal about me plants when in the summer I'm I'm out there all the, I have to try and leave them alone really like I'm today I've had a day off and it was raining I didn't go out but I was itching to get out and see like I want to look at it all the time see what's coming up bulbs and she's a she's a motherer Sophie she likes to mother. oh yeah she, she's kind of obsessed. yeah, yeah. Smother, <laughs> that's smother. fine I mean that that's you know that's absolutely fine I think um I think whatever you know brings you happiness if that's that's what brings you happiness, then, then fine. Oh, I feel you know, bad now. I'm always telling her collect. to stop and leave it alone. 
I'm I was like, Jan, just tweaking. leave it. He'll do it. <laughs> tweaking and crimping. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was like? We've kind of like we've spoken about this. So the next three questions, I think, also for your reference here, Jan, I might not skip these. But I'm going to ask them in one go, but we have actually touched on a bit of it. I was going to ask, what should we be doing to get the most out of our private outdoor spaces, whether it's window box, garden, estates or anything like that? What should we not be doing? And and are there any big no-nos? I mean, obviously, we've just spoken about like artificial grass and artificial plants outside. Yeah, plastic. That's I think we can agree that is a no. But is there anything else that's kind of like maybe we don't know is a big no-no or maybe you know, we should try and steer clear of that stuff or some other stuff that we might not know we should be inviting in. Well, you know, as, as an ecologist, obviously I'm, I'm going to have an approach to, to gardening, which is an ecological one. So, you know, don't use plastic, don't use mm. pesticides a lot of the time. Um, you know, most of them, even the natural ones, uh, can have an impact, you know, on, on bona and on other plants mm. as well. So, you know, obviously that's that's things that I would say. Um, and what we said before, in terms of having a little more relaxed approach with with white plants and, and spontaneous plants, that's the word I use oh, to when I don't want to say plant. weeds. Spontaneous plants, <laughs> Spontane- I like that. Yes, spontaneous that's plants. Really yeah, they're good. spontaneous. They they grow spontaneously. I'm actually writing that down. I like that. Yeah, that's the name of this show now. That's going to be it. That's going to be the, the episode title is going to be spontaneous plants. There you go. But, uh, you know, in in French, um, uh, weed is mauvaise herbe, so it's bad herb. That's the oh. French for, for weed. But now, so they, they've now uh, switched to herbe folle, which is mad plants or mad herbs. <laughs> and, you know, to give that kind of idea of spontaneous, um, you know, spontaneously growing plants, spontaneously appearing mm. plants. Um, so I'm, I'm, I quite like that. Yeah, I like that. I <laughs> um, like that. But, yeah. um, and you said like you work in, I find this really interesting for your, your job, I think, because I might be wrong, but I feel like there might be a crossover of you work in conservation and as a horticulturalist. So are there any crossovers of focuses or challenges where someone in conservation is saying one thing and someone in horticultural world is going, ah, well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, you know, having a background in in both because I can see, you know, both sides Mm. making mistakes and, and, you know, not having the right approach. So, you know, I worked in horticulture and, in horticulture, you sometimes have to, you know, adopt approaches which are not necessarily the best ecologically. So, for example, you know, growing some plants in, in peat, which isn't great, mm. as we know. And also, you know, sometimes the fact that you have to prioritize, you know, the plant and not necessarily the ecosystem. So when I was talking about not using pesticide, for example, you know, some plants are potentially quite difficult in horticulture, you know, ornamental plants are potentially quite difficult to grow in the UK without resorting to, you know, yeah. using some pesticide and some insects really love them. So it's it's the, it's a fine balance, I think, to, you know, to find uh, between the two. But I think there are, there's also a really interesting crossover. And, for example, I was talking to you about that um, consultancy I did mm. uh, for, for a London borough, trying to find the right, the plant that would be looking really good, but at the same time that would have the maximum kind of ecological benefits and i really like doing that kind of plant choices and trying to combine the two aspects i really i think it's really interesting it's not done enough a lot of the time you know i walk around london a lot and when you see new developments they're they're, they're, they've got like a list of 20 plants and they always use the same list it's boring (laughs) i'm sorry you know it's just i really hate it it's you know you walk around you walk around 
and every garden looks looks the same, which I found really I find it really sad as well. You know, it's not good for the environment. And it's probably not good for the people living there, you know, seeing the same thing as the next next door estate or, you know, it's... It's also not economically viable. Like, it must cost more money for the plants that they use because if you... Surely, I, I mean, my view, this might be an ignorant or quite naive look at it, but surely planting a few more self-seeders and things that are more display and things that can look after themselves and maybe you could visit once a year just to kind of, like, tidy a bit so it doesn't cross over... Yeah, and also something that all developers, you know, is being done all over the place is this focus on topsoil. Mm. And I think it kind of, you know, joins with kind of no-dig approaches as well, is this idea that if we didn't use rich topsoil all the time, then we wouldn't have so many weeds growing. And then you could have uh, more interesting interesting plants. It's it's an approach that's being used in, in Germany and the Netherlands, where they actually grow plants in sand or gravel. Okay. So it's it's very different kind of, you know, you have to kind of forget what you think, you know, a flower bed should look like. And then you get a slightly different, you know, range of plants, but you get plants that are a lot more resistant, mm. especially, you know, with summer, with droughts. So it's really interesting, but it's not it's not used, you know, enough because it's just easier for a landscaper to choose the same 20 odd plants they use all the time and they don't need to think about it. They they just shove them in the list and that's it really yeah that, that is that <laughs> but is I, find, I find it i find it sad i find it sad you know that there isn't more kind of crossover between horticulture and ecology i think mm. but who knows <laughs> maybe one day maybe i think i think you know with things like more climate change and stuff like that maybe we'll have to start thinking about mm. that because some of the plants that were planted in the 1980s you know we can't plant them any longer so I think there's definitely going to have a reflection about that. And there's, you know, less water. Yeah. And- I was I was thinking that when you said about the planting in sand thing, you know, because really you do need to be able to now with the climate change to have plants that will thrive in a drier climate, mm. isn't it, really? You know, yeah. I mean, last summer it was just so hot all the time, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And it really didn't mm. rain for a, a while because, like, I work outdoors five days a week and... A lot of people were like, oh, it rained a lot, didn't it? And it was like, it really didn't. Yeah. It really didn't. Like, I was yeah. out in it all day and it did not rain a lot. So we not go here. long periods. Yeah, I think we don't get a lot of rain in this part of the country anyway. But in certain parts, they actually had floods, didn't they? You know, there, were, there was flooding. Yeah. But I suppose it just, you know, I mean, we yeah, we have quite a low rainfall here. Mm. We don't get much. So we'll all be going down that Mediterranean route, won't we? You'll be happy. You'll be all right because you your, lemon, your lemon trees will be... My lemon trees will thrive. Yeah, my olive trees will be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, your olive. Well, actually, I've, I've, I've already eaten some olives from London. Really? Um, I, I I collected some from Greenwich. There was a, a street tree. Yeah, yeah, no. And they were... they were. I mean, that, that didn't cure them. You know, you have to cure yeah. them normally. But you can still eat them. They're just a bit bitter, but they were really good, actually. Ah. So I think potentially, you know, crop of the future. Jan is going to be buzzing. Oh, no. Well, I've got two out there. and Investment possibilities. They're small, but they have got... They do get olives on them. They do get them. They get, get a few little black ones on there. Where do you, where where are you again, Jan? What could we call your olive company? Essex Olives. Essex Olives, yeah. <laughs> but that's all you do, know, lavender. Oh, so yeah. why not yeah. olives? Yeah, and rosemary. Yeah, same thing in it. Yeah, all the same. And they will smell nice as well. Oh. Trade markets before it oh, goes. Yeah. Do Essex it. Olives. Get your face yeah, on a bottle of olive oil. I will not be. Four. I won't rest. I wonder how many olives you need to make a bottle of olive oil. Probably too many. 
so um sophie you've got a twitter account you've mentioned it a few times actually more than weeds so can you tell us a bit about that yes. well I've, I've touched a little bit you know about my passion for weeds mm. and actually i actually kind of turned it into a project which is called more than weeds so I got the idea of the project because there's a project in France called Sauvage de Marie, Wild Plants of My Street, which started um, about yeah about ten years ago now. Yeah, ten years ago, and it's been really successful. So the the the, the role of that project or the aim of that project was to change pe- people's perception of plants growing in the street, you know, on pavement, um, in tree pits, you know, in places where they shouldn't be growing, basically, in cities, places that people haven't chosen for them to grow. Mm. And when I moved back to London, I I lived in France for a while. And then when I moved back to London, I thought, there's absolutely nothing about urban plants in, in the UK. And I found that really interesting, because, you know, there's a lot about national parks, countryside, you know, there's programs, TV programs about the countryside all the time. But I, th- I thought, you know, there's nothing for cities, even though, you know, most people live in cities. So I, th- I thought there was a gap yeah. there. And it seems to be true because, you know, I, I created the project. I launched a project last year in, in May and it's been absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, you know, there's um, it's um, the, the, I mean, it's called more than weeds. And I use the word weeds. Some people said, yeah, but why did you call it more than weeds? But I wanted, you know, weed is a, is a, is a word that everyone knows, everyone kind of feels they understand, you know, everyone has their own definition somehow. And so I thought if I use that word and say more than, then it will make people, you know, react and think, why more than weeds? And it's been pretty successful, I have to say. So it's it's created, you know, I've had interest from all over the world. You know, there's new projects which have been created as a result of more than weeds, which I'm quite proud about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting, you know, to, for the project to get that much interest. I was kind of thinking it's it's in the UK. People have got a very specific kind of approach to gardening. And I wasn't expecting, you know, people to react that well. Potentially, it was because of the lockdown. Mm. People not able to travel. More plants growing in the streets as well because the councils, you know, couldn't spray as they usually do. So there were actually more plants growing by accident in, in the streets as well. So is the project people finding these plants in their own streets, really? Yeah, well, there's, I mean, I've, I've got, you know, all sorts of ideas and things I'm working on, like books and stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I'm working on. But, um, the, the, yeah, the idea is, you know, on social media, people can send pictures. I'm also tweeting, you know, about what I find. So I'm helping people identify those plants, giving them tips. And I'm really enjoying, you know, it's not London, London focused. So I'm really enjoying, you know, getting pictures from all around the UK and even, you know, further abroad, given that there are now other projects. So I find that, you know, find that really, really fascinating. And I've also been, you know, working on kind of more serious things like working with councils, trying to make them understand the value of those plants. So hopefully, you know, in the future, I hope others, you know, follow the example of Hackney and start, you know, being a bit more relaxed about um, urban plants. That'd be really yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. That's kind of the step we want. I actually, yeah. I even emailed my local MP during lockdown to say, can you not mow the lawn because there's so many more butterflies and bees round in front around the garden this year? And because they have yeah, but it. you know, I think I think that's. I think that's really important. I was saying about people getting letters, you know, councils getting letters of complaints. Mm. And I've been chatting to a few councils. And one council said, last year, we had a thousand letters of complaints alone on weeds and and lawns, you know, being left to grow. But what if, you know, people who Mm. don't want that, people who want, you know, more nature, what if 
we just tip the balance. Yeah. What if we started all of us, all of us, you know, writing to a council saying, "Great, you haven't mowed the lawn. This is good." Praising them for actually doing something different. What if we could tip the balance and make councils realize that people actually care about the environment? Otherwise, the only thing they hear is the complaints. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's, yeah, like you said, tipping the balance is one of the most yeah. important things we can do. I, I want yeah. There's a question I want to ask about London. So, and sorry, Jan, I know you're not in London. A, <laughs> you live in the beautiful yeah. village. But, <laughs> but like you, you, Sophie, are very used to the sort of London urban wildlife and um, the flora and fauna. But are there any hotspots or some really cool stuff that we can see in London? Or what is the best weed that you've seen in London? Or your favourite? Oh, I I get asked that question and I'm, I'm going to be really boring. My favourite weed is the dandelion because I just like it. And it's the symbol of the project more than weeds. But I really, you know, like everything about the dandelion. I'm sorry, I eat it. It's it's really good, um, and um, you know it's it's got so many different properties. It's great for insects and and all sorts of things. Um, in terms of hotspots, um, that's a really difficult question. I wouldn't say you know there are hotspots, and even in a city like London, you'll see completely different weeds depending on where you are. So if you're closer to, to, to the Thames, to the East London, mm. for example, there's more salt along the Thames, for example. So you'll have different plants that if, if you're in the West. And similarly, you know, depending on the the type of, of stone in the streets, you will see different plants as well. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's it's difficult to wow. say there is a particular, you know, area that is obviously um, a, a hotspot. I think it's just about keeping your eyes open. You never know, you know, what you're... You may see, I've seen some really strange, you know, plants growing in very uh, odd places. Things escaping from gardens as well. Sometimes you see, you know, plants... Um, escaping from gardens and something I, I see a lot and I tweet a lot about that um, is plants from pubs <laughs> hanging baskets yeah and usually yeah. you know a lot of those plants come from you know South Africa or Australia and they've got tiny seeds but those seeds can survive and and sprout you know the next year so if you look around pubs you'll often find between the pavements the plants from the previous years. That's cool. <laughs> Seed from the previous year, yeah. That's really cool. I like that. That's another reason to just yeah. kind of hang around the pubs for a bit. <laughs> yeah. And get obviously. away with it. <laughs> I'm having a beer one. here whilst I'm looking for the plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, I'm going to keep an eye out this this spring. Spring and summer. I'm going to be down by the pubs if anyone needs me. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Sophie um, told me. Yeah, let's hope they're open. <laughs> yeah, if they're open. Right, Sophie, the big question that we ask everyone on every single show is if you could pass on just one bit of advice onto everyone regarding the natural world, what would you pass on? <laughs> tough question. Tough question to you. <laughs> I know, yeah. There's always there's always an exhale. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's such a tough question, you know, especially when you work in obviously in in the field. I think sometimes it's more difficult, you know, when you work in the field because you're so immersed into it that you don't understand, you know, what other people think and why other people are not reacting in the same way. Yeah. I think it'd be keep your eyes open. I mean, mm. I've you know I've, I've said that before. I've said it earlier, but really, this is just my little piece of advice. Don't assume that because you're on the lawn. It's boring and there's nothing to see. You know, go, just go down on your knees and you might see a tiny flower. Mm. Or, you know, don't assume that because you're in an urban park, 
is the birds are all going to be pigeons. It's just about being curious, I would say, is, is my advice. This is how my love for nature and particularly plants started. And I think it's, you know, just Try to look at nature as, as, as a kid. I actually went on a walk, um, you know, a, a plant walk with, um, with some kids. And the funny thing is, you know, they had a completely different approach to their parents mm. in the way they, they kind of looked at plants. You know, they didn't have that, that preconception, oh, this is a weed. No, to a kid, you know, it's no different to a plant in, in the garden. It's just, it's got flowers, it's got bugs on it. It looks interesting. And I think, you know, this is something, something we, we forget as adults. We tend to have too much of a, you know, too much reflection and think too much about things. So, um, yeah, that'd be my advice. <laughs> be curious. That is that is a very good bit of advice. Yeah. Be curious and look closer. Keep your eyes open. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on Into the Foliage and to chat about things that are more than weeds. Um, and oh, what, what do spontaneous plants? Is that what we were calling them? Yeah. Spontaneous plants. That's what we've got to go forward with. Um, oh. I know that's one of my. It's favorites. not as catchy. That. It's not as catchy, but you know. I think it um, is. I think it is. So do I. I, think I love we, that. Let's, let's normalize it. <laughs> yeah, go for yeah. it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the best with everything you've got working on with more than weeds. Um, I'm really excited to see what comes out from that, and I wish you all the best for the 2021. And I hope it's a safe and a nice one for you. Thank you very much. I um I hope it is for you too, and a lot of success with the podcast. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work Sophie is working on, you can do so on Instagram at more underscore than underscore weeds and on Twitter at sligill. If you enjoy Into the Wild and Into the Foliage, then you can chuck us a few pennies at our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Into the Wild podcast. On top of that, you'll also gain early access to the shows and exclusive episodes. And on top of that, you can also get in touch with me and Jan, Into the Wild Pod at gmail.com, whether it's a question you want to ask or even let us know what you thought of an episode, or if there's anything you want to talk about or hear about, then please get in touch with us. And you can follow us on social media at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. But until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.